0: Wow. Am I excited for this, this week, both today and on Thursday, it's a two-part episode, a two-part interview. You get to listen in on a conversation with my biggest role model, my mom, Lisa Gulick. Obviously this is in celebration of mother's day because she's my mom. And we just got to celebrate mother's day yesterday. If you're listening on Monday, but in this two-part episode, you are going to hear, I mean, everything so much She's such a fun person and has so much experience both in life and motherhood. And I wanted you to get to glean from her what I've gotten to learn and see and grow from and how she lives her life the last 30 years. I've gotten to see that. And so I want you to experience some of my amazing mother. So, Lisa, my mom, she's a small town, Iowa, born and raised woman. She's a mom of three. She's been a wife of 35 years to my dad, Steve. Um, she's worked as an early educator. She's got her degree in early education, but she's also worked in banking for a few decades there. She was a stay at home mom. And more recently she's transitioned into real estate after again, a couple decades of being home. So her career trajectory has been all over the place. And what's super cool is in this first half, in this first part, you get to hear a lot about career and motherhood. And for part of her working experience early on in her early years of motherhood, she worked from home part-time, which is like what a lot of moms are in right now. So really cool stuff that you'll get to listen in on today. She also experienced a miscarriage in a time that, uh, that was not like a common conversation to have. So she shares a little bit about that. You get to hear about her childhood, what makes her who she is. And you're going to see a lot of similarities and how I am and, um, just some other trials that she's endured in her life, including a major burn accident in 2014, and how that has shaped who she is and how she shows up. So that's what you're going to hear about in this first half. The second half is coming on Thursday. It's so good. But now, um, right now, her and my dad live in Charleston, South Carolina. We were actually visiting them at the time where I got to record this. So we were in person together. I just can't wait for you to learn from my mom's insights from 30 years of motherhood and be encouraged by her story, by her life, and simply get to know this amazing woman I get to call my mom. Hey mama, welcome to the Tough Love Mom podcast. I know you're here because you're ready to get consistent and finally lose that weight and you're not afraid of a little tough love. You know what to do to lose weight, but following through on those things feels impossible. You wish you could just feel like your strong, confident self again, I want to be a good example for your little ones, but you get thrown off by mom guilt and the unpredictability of motherhood. It's frustrating. Taking on your journey postpartum is hard, but it's not impossible. Hey, I'm Liz and I've been where you are. I gained a lot of weight in my pregnancies, 90 pounds and then 60 pounds. I needed to lose that weight to take control of my health and honestly just wanted to feel like myself again. With a sustainable approach to weight loss, simple consistency, and working on my mindset, lost it all in just over a year both times and I'm here to help you do the same. I believe that we have an ingrained ability to figure out what we need to do, make it happen, and do it in a way that awes the world. If you're ready to stop falling off the wagon, create solid routine and healthy habits, and finally feel your best inside and out, all while enjoying dino nuggets on your salad, you are in the right place. We're about to transform your journey my friend. Get pumped up. It is tough love time. I'm excited to have you on today. I know a lot of my listeners are too. Um, So thanks for coming on and taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm happy to. I think it'll be fun. Cool. So you have a lot of experience as a mom, obviously, 30 years at least, (laughs) Um, but some really cool life experience as well. And I think you're an amazing person. And I think a lot of listeners today are going to take something away from what you share. So let's take it all the way back to your childhood. What was it like? Just Tell me about your childhood.
1: You know, my childhood was kind of a, I think no nonsense is probably the best way to describe it, very honestly. (laughs) People are
0: like, oh, all the dots are (laughs) connected.
1: It really was. So I grew up in a very small town in Iowa. Everybody knew everyone. And so... um, Super small. And super close-knit, though. If anything ever happened in your family, everybody was there to help you out. That's cool. So it was very close-knit community. On the other hand, it was a very close-knit community. So everybody <laughs> knew everything that everybody did, which is good and bad sometimes. Um, <laughs> I've so, heard stories. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> so I loved it, though, because uh, you have... We had a freedom growing up in childhood where we were just sent outside. We did things. We played with all of our neighbors I grew up in such a small town, you could see from one end to the other end, so you knew when the 12 o'clock whistle went off at noon to go home for lunch. You knew when the 6 o'clock whistle went off at dinner time to go home for dinner. And that's just the way we grew up, and it was very no-nonsense. Everybody had chores at home. Everybody helped. You are one of four. I am one of four. I am the second born. I have an older sister and two younger brothers. We all helped in my father's office, which was attached to our home. My dad was a veterinarian. Um, For the first part of my life, my mother did not work, but she volunteered in everything. She was on the library board, scholarship committee, all kinds of things in town. Tried to get a community pool going. Oh, did she really? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not surprised. She went to one of the local business owners and tried to get him to donate money for a pool.
0: Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Did not work. So... But before you guys moved to that town, you were in Ames, Iowa, right? When Grandpa was in vet school?
1: Yes. My dad was in veterinarian school at Iowa State. That's just when you
0: and your older sister were kids.
1: My older sister went to kindergarten there. Okay. But I was two when we moved, so I don't remember much of it. But we lived in the same community with all the other vet students. Okay. My father went to vet school, but also worked in a grocery store part-time.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: And my mother babysat.
0: Okay, so seeing, obviously, grandpa in vet school, like, that's a lot of schooling, especially back in that day, and then seeing grandma do so much in the community, even if she wasn't working, but then also she, like, basically ran his vet business. Did mm-hmm. that ever influence what you thought you wanted to be when you grew up, or, like, what your goals were as an adult? Did that influence what you wanted to do with your life in any capacity?
1: I Yes, it did influence us, but I don't think we realized it. mm mm-hmm. So when we were growing up, we all just assumed that we were all going to go to college. I That's mean, we, cool. we never talked about it. It just was an assumption. You were going to go to college. And we all did. We all worked hard for things that we got or things that we did. We all had jobs growing up. You played like every sport because
0: you were in a well, small town. Because we could. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, we did. My brothers played offense and defense in football. I was a cheerleader, but I was in the marching band in my cheerleading uniform at the football game. And we were on all sports, basketball, track, softball, baseball, all yeah, kinds of sports, all the things. all the things. And I do remember my parents coming to every single event, no matter what it was, we were in marching band and all kinds of things.
0: That's interesting. And I know grandpa was super busy because even when I was around, mm-hmm. he was still working gone all the time. So it's neat that he prioritized that. And I know that's something you guys both have prioritized too as parents, and it was really special to have that growing up. You moved away after, well, for college, you moved away a little bit, a little distance for school, and then moved away after having kids, um, and you grew up with family so close by. So did that, how was that, moving, moving a few hours away for college, but then moving further away afterwards?
1: Um, I always wanted to move away. Oh, I, really? I, I did. I, I loved where I grew up. I would never give up any of the, anything of where I grew up. It was a great town. Um, but I also knew there was a lot more out there. My parents were very big on travel. Every year, we took a family vacation somewhere and somewhere different. Um, I think my sister, Is the only one who probably did not have an overseas experience, but she chose not to. She didn't want to do it. Because you went
0: in high school, right?
1: Mm -hmm. I went to France in high school and my two brothers went overseas in college, I believe. Do you and think that
0: influenced some of your like independence and in that just go get after it attitude that you, you obviously have <laughs> that's been instilled in me in some capacity, <laughs> which is good and bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I apologize. I've been with my We've been traveling a lot. I'm in person with her right now, which is really exciting. But, um, we've been talking about this the last few days cause we've been, I've been in Charleston with her and it's hilarious seeing how some of this stuff lines up, but. Did that influence kind of your outlook and your attitude about
1: everything? So there's a, I guess there's a couple things with that. My attitude and my outlook on travel and trying different things has always been good because my mother always instilled that in us. Mm -hmm. Um, My father's a little more conservative, but my mom was always the one to say, just try it. See what happens. All you can do is fail.
0: Yeah. And learn from that in some way. Right. Age old lesson.
1: And my dad did not like to lose. So if it was something he wasn't good at, he wouldn't do it. So I got a little bit of both of that in me. Yeah, you did. <laughs>
0: oh, funny. In college, you studied early childhood education. I did. And you taught in preschool for a while, right? I did. And later in life, you went back to a daycare. So you've used that experience a few times. But your career trajectory, I feel like, has been all over the board. So what give Mm -hmm. the listeners a down low
1: on what your career path looked like. So when I graduated from college, I taught preschool at a university school. And the university school I taught at, we had...
0: Iowa State.
1: Iowa State University. So you all know. (laughs) Um, Yes, I do cheer for the Mountaineers sometimes. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But... I taught at the university school for a little bit, which was interesting because they were the professors' children's. and and so professor's children, excuse me. <laughs> and they were from all over the country. At one time we had two Chinese students, and I thought maybe they could converse with each other, but they couldn't, because one was Cantonese and one was Mandarin.
0: Oh, interesting. And so
1: they had they could not communicate at all with each other. So I learned a lot from that. Um, and that's where I met my husband. And after we got married, we moved to Chicago, and I had a teaching degree, but it didn't transfer to Illinois. Oh, okay. And so I would have had to get recertified. Yeah. So rather than that, I took a temporary job at a bank, which was provisional, meaning no paid holidays, no time off, no health benefits, nothing. And if you worked well and did well, then they would hire you on full-time. And that is what happened. I got hired on full-time, and... That was a great experience. I got to work in all kinds of different investment fields and also got to help them establish their on-site daycare. And so you had to use a little bit of your degree I in did. that banking field. I did. And then they also, when I had two children, allowed me to, well, actually when I had Liz and she was a little bit older, allowed me to work part-time and then part-time from home, which... Think about that. That early was 90s. early nineties. And I was working part-time from home. That is not the norm. No. So that was a great experience. When you work from home, mm-hmm. how did you balance that with
0: a little one? Because a lot of the listeners do that, especially in now, like the day and age today, that's so much more normal to work from home or virtually. How did you balance that? Especially when there weren't like the resources or the moral support around of other people going through a similar situation?
1: Well, I think I was fortunate because I worked part-time from home.
0: Yeah. But even part-time, that's hard. But. Because momming is 24-7.
1: But you were also preschool age, so you were in preschool part-time. Okay. So the benefit for me was the amount of time Liz was in preschool was the amount of time I could work. And I found myself to be much more efficient working at home because when you work, I worked for a trust company, so it was a large corporation. I had a desk. People come by your desk and they talk to you about things, which you don't realize how much time that takes out of your day until you get home and you start working. And I mean, I would get my work done and literally call into my manager and say, can you give me something else? I am done. But they were giving me the same workload that the people at work were doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something else I know, I know we talked about this a few years ago, but you, when you start a task, you finish it too until completion. You're like, okay, I'm going to, and you always, and this is something, eat that frog, like do the hardest thing first. You're really good about that. You're like, this is the hardest thing on the list that I need to do today, or it's something I don't want to do. And you just get it out of the way first. And that takes a lot of discipline. So you think that's Hmm. just how you saw grandma and grandpa growing up. And so that was instilled in you. What? Why that's hard to do for a lot of people. So why are you that way?
1: That's a really good question. <laughs> and I don't know why, but in my mind, I always think do the most difficult thing first, get it done because then it frees up the rest of your day to do other things. Mm-hmm. And I get so much more accomplished because otherwise I think what you find yourself doing is avoiding. Yeah. You will do any other little thing to avoid doing the one major thing.
0: Yeah. Especially if it's an uncomfortable thing to do. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really wise. <laughs> I'm always learning stuff from her. (laughs) So after your second was born, you became a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. How was that transition for you? Was it hard to feel valuable going from working and finding success in the job that you did
1: and then making that switch? How was that? So part of me always wanted to be, I don't want to say just a mom because I know what that involves. Yeah. But
0: You do. You did it for decades.
1: (laughs) You know, I just just wanted to be the mom. Mm -hmm. Um, The other part of me can't say I missed the social interaction from a corporate environment because I did not miss that. I missed some of the people. What I found the most difficult was at the time my husband's office was at home also and he traveled a lot as well. Yeah. And so what I couldn't understand is when he got home, why he couldn't help out. And so it took us probably a good three years to get to an agreement or a realization of what his job was really like and what what I was really doing at home and how we could help each other out it 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 was tough that was the hardest part did it just take a lot of messy communication and yes yeah
0: It honestly
1: it was not fun
0: yeah marriage is hard Uh (laughs) i've learned that it's definitely hard how did you navigate those conversations and kind of come to a place? Like, what did it look like once you, three years, you said it took about three years. Mm-hmm. What did that look
1: like once you had it figured out? Because I remember it. I mean, dad traveled so much for work. He was gone a lot. And what I had to realize is when you're traveling, you really don't have that much time to get that much done. So when he got home, he would have to catch up on his emails, you know, send yeah. correspondence. But the one thing he did do is he always made time to help get the kids to bed Yeah, it's huge. And then he would stay up until midnight 1 or 2 in the morning getting his stuff done just so he could have that time.
0: Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know he'd stay up that late because I went to bed at like 8.30. Yeah. No, (laughs) he would would stay up much later to get things done. Wow. Let's focus on the career side of things right now. We can talk about the schedules and the routine and everything with parenthood because you did that for so long. But you did recently transition back to working, and now you're in real estate and you're rocking it. So how was that transition? When did you know it was... I know, I remember when all of us started getting older, you were like thinking about working back at a school and you didn't just dive right into real estate. You went to, to a daycare. Mm-hmm.
1: So was that a hard transition? How did you decide it was time? What did that look like? So when our youngest got his driver's license, realized that, you know, I wasn't really... And I don't, this will sound bad, but it's not a bad thing. That I wasn't really needed. As much anymore mm. on the parental front you're, you know once you're a parent you're always a parent but I wasn't driving someone around dropping them off you know yeah. I wasn't driving back and forth to school I wasn't running all these errands and honestly I was bored I thought <laughs> I remember you saying oh my that. <laughs> gosh I was bored I thought my house can only be so clean I have nothing else to do and I kind of felt like I was um, losing something intellectually Mm, yeah. You know, like my brain just wasn't firing as well and things. You weren't being challenged. No, in I wasn't. Ways. And I think that's what I missed. Yeah. So I went back to work and ran an infant room and a daycare, which I loved. I love babies. Um, probably in the best physical shape I've ever been in because so many squats. You bend down, pick yeah. babies up, you know, you move around. You never sit down when you have an infant or a toddler. And it I'm took sure right
0: back to the beginning. Of oh parenthood. my gosh.
1: And I'm sure a lot of you know that right now, especially at the stage in life you're in. When you
0: were like, Oh, it, I was bored. People were probably like, I can't wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was bored. Um, that was what? 16 years in
1: more than 16. Yeah.
0: 23 years into parent.
1: Yes. <laughs> so yes. Took and, some time. So then after that, my husband um, had a change in careers and got into real estate and asked if I wanted to join him. And I don't know if you'll laugh at this or you'll think, oh, this is sad. But I thought to myself, I laughed. <laughs> I don't know if I can work with my husband. <laughs> he said, no, no, just get your license. It'll be OK. It'll be great. Well, first of all, getting your license is about 40 to 80 hours of classes. You have to pass a national test and a state test. I probably hadn't taken a standardized test. Oh, yeah, in decades. Oh, my gosh. I can't even remember the last time. So I didn't know if I wanted to spend the time or the money doing it. So I said, let me be your admin first. So I did administrative work for him for about a year before I got my license. And then I got my license. And it's a good thing I did because he was lured back into healthcare and a job there that you just couldn't say no to, which has been very, we've been very fortunate. Um, It's been a great job. So I took over the real estate and I, I really do enjoy it. Um, you're doing really well with it now. Thank you. It's flexible, but it's not flexible.
0: Yeah. If you need a real estate agent in Charleston, South Carolina, call up Lisa Gulick. She's Ooh, your girl. Thank you for the
1: plug. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> <Of course.
0: laughs> I'll link you below. <laughs> what are you dreaming of now? Do you have any career goals? It's been such a unique path career wise. And I think a lot of moms face that nowadays, especially with the flexibility that different work options provide. So, I, I mean, I've even experienced that major pivoting with what I want to do career-wise and what my focus is in life. So, do you have anything that you're dreaming of now? It's like the second half of life, and you're just getting started with a new career again and
1: doing really well with it. So, That's a good question. So, not something that anybody really wants to hear, but I really don't set goals very well. I never have. I just jump into something and just do it. And my feeling is that you can be successful, but your success relies on how you treat the other people, how you work for the other people that rely on you. Yeah. So if you do the best job you can by the people that you provide for, I guess that's my goal. Just do the best job you can for the people you work with. Yeah. And then what happens, the success comes after that.
0: How do you define that? How do you define success? It can be so hard to do as a mom because you're in the mundane day-to-day, and I'm not just talking about motherhood specifically, but just in life in general. When do you know you
1: feel successful at something, or you've done a good job, you've served the people well? So I can speak from it in real estate. I can Mm -hmm. speak from it just saying, I feel like I've done a good job when I see that the happiness that it provides, where they feel like, oh my gosh, this is really my home. I love it. Thank you. So when somebody says, thank you, You feel like you've really done a good job. And as far as parenthood goes, I mean, we all make mistakes. And heaven knows I have made mistakes. But the happiness and when you feel like you've reached the goal in parenthood, which is ongoing, even (laughs) though I have a 30-year-old who has two children of her (laughs) own, it's just ongoing. But the joy you get from seeing your children succeed in how they want to succeed. And that doesn't mean it's how... I want them to be. It means how they are happy. So definition of success is the happiness you see in them. Not my definition, but their definition of success.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's all so unique. It is so unique. And my three children are so different. Yeah, so different. So different. (laughs) It's not a spectrum. It's a triangle in our family. Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) So it's a perfect transition into parenting. So let's go back to the start of it. At the time that you became a mom, early 90s, Uh, The conversation around miscarriages, infertility, it wasn't very open, was it? Was that really talked about much at all? No, not at all. And you did suffer a miscarriage prior to me. So how was that in that day and age when, like, who did you lean on? How did you process that? What was your experience?
1: So there really wasn't, there weren't any other females to talk to. Even your sister, your mom? Well, my sister never had a miscarriage. Um, My mom may have. She didn't talk about it. But she in that didn't... day and age, yeah. they probably didn't even know, honestly, mm. that yeah. they had one.
0: How did you cope with not having really anyone to lean, mm. lean on female-wise to process it with?
1: Well, I felt like I did something wrong. Yeah. You know, you feel like it's your fault that it happened. When in reality, that baby just wasn't forming yeah. and wasn't, wasn't ready to be a baby. So that baby, what happened was after about, gosh, I don't know where. I was in my first trimester. It must have just been just past eight weeks and had gone in for testing and things. And they couldn't, the test, the blood test came back low or something. I forget what the hormone is they look for. Yeah, HCG. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so then they did an ultrasound and they had to do an internal ultrasound. And that's when they realized, no, there was, there truly wasn't. It was a mass of cells that was not passing.
0: Yeah. I remember you being really straightforward with me. I don't even remember the age that I learned about that. Hmm. But I remember you just being very straightforward and honest. And I do remember you telling me that there was a baby before me, but it didn't make it. So I kind of have an older sibling, but not really. Mm-hmm. And, um, how did you decide to... I mean, if you even remember, did you decide you were going to go about communicating that in a specific way? Or was it just... If it
1: comes up, it probably just, if it, if it came up, we just discussed it. Yeah. I didn't think about communicating it
0: in a certain way at mm-hmm. all. Um, was that something that took a
1: while for you to be okay with? How was it afterwards? So it probably goes to how I was raised. Mm-hmm. Um, when things happen, you just get through it. Yeah. I mean, that's all there is to it. I've seen you do that in a
0: lot of different trials. In life. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a lot. You don't have a choice. I mean, you can't, you're not going to give up. You can get angry, you can get sad, you can go through all those emotions, which I did. But you're not just going to stop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Share with the listeners about your burn accident and how that
1: mm.
0: was a big, And know it's like a little pivot from parenthood real quick from motherhood, but share with them how that trial affected
1: you. That's the most... I've ever seen you challenged mentally. So that's a tough one because you know when you go through it, you don't think about being mentally challenged. You just think about getting through the day.
0: Or the moment.
1: Or the moment, that's yeah. very true. And a lot of medication, I will say that. It was a lot of medication. Yeah. I stopped taking some of it because I didn't like the way it make me, made me feel. But um, I think my main concern was how it affected my kids because they're, they're used to having you there. Yeah, you know, you're and,
0: quite the nurturer. Yeah, <laughs> which is good and bad.
1: <laughs> good and bad. So Liz was far away, so I worried about Liz being far away and dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, fortunately, she had a group. Thank goodness, she had a group there she could count on. And then I was worried about my kids that were at home too, because my two youngest were at home, and they heard it happen, and they ran out on the back porch and saw. Yeah. And I had jumped into our pool because my first thought was, well, what else do I do? You know, I I couldn't get to the hose and the pool door was locked. So I ran out through the garage and jumped into the pool. Yeah. Um, Such a far way to go that you went. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But anyway, got there and I jumped in the pool and, you know, I heard my husband say call 911. And I remember saying, please don't have them use the sirens because I didn't want them to scare my kids that were home. Yeah. It was Memorial
0: Day weekend 2013. Mm -hmm. I had just seen her because we were going down to FCA camp in Mm -hmm. St. Simons Island, and I had just gotten home. It was Monday. I had just gotten home, and Dad called me that night, and basically the gas was leaking on the grill, and you went to light the grill,
1: right? So, oddly enough, I like to mow the lawn. So... And this goes into this story, and I know Liz is laughing. Like, where is she going with this? She does. <laughs> She's like, it's my quiet time, and I get that. I do drive. I the, do.
0: I drive with the music off now sometimes. Oh my gosh, it's so peaceful. Because I need it. I know. <laughs> I get it now. So
1: I get on. Plus, you can get a good tan on the lawnmower. So, <laughs> and Noted. I had a cup holder. Noted. So I got on the our riding lawnmower, lawnmower and I I pre lit the gas um, grill. Because I wanted to warm it up so I could just throw some brats and things on and we'd just gotten back from boating. So my husband was cleaning the boat with a neighbor and I mowed the lawn. Then I went back after mowing the lawn and the um, grill had quit. It wasn't lit anymore. So I lifted the lid and I pushed the start button again Well, gas had been I guess going somehow into the grill. So that when I lit the grill, it just... When you lifted it, all the fumes came out, probably. Well, when I lifted it, the gas, I don't know, it must have still been going. Yeah. So when I hit the, I just remember seeing it when I hit the gas grill button, this big ball of, it just went boom, and this big ball of fire came out and went straight down. And then straight up me, because I was standing right there. Yeah. So that's all I remember, most of it anyway. Yeah.
0: And then running out to the pool and just... Mm -hmm reacting the mm-hmm. adrenaline must have been crazy yeah i was back at school for summer training and it was before my senior year mm-hmm. with volleyball
1: and everything so i couldn't come back wouldn't have but been I, a good time for you to come back anyway no. because honestly the first few weeks i probably was on so much i you were pro- in the hospital i was yeah i was at a burn center and i had no clue what was going on so the yeah. first few weeks i was you called really
0: me like the, that night after
1: your first surgery did i yeah, oh dad my was, gosh
0: dad was like you'll probably hear from her in a few days I got called from you that night and I was like, Oh my gosh, mom and you were Was
1: I out of it? (laughs) (laughs) Can laugh about it now. Yes, we
0: can. (laughs) But I remember your sister came to visit and we, I talked to her a lot and she was just talking about how like, you don't cry very often Mm -mm. at all. (laughs) I'm a crier now. I think it's like the early motherhood stage when stuff is hard and you're more hormonal.
1: It is. I used to be really emotional when I was younger, but So it'll probably
0: go away again, (laughs) but she's not a crier. And I remember my aunt telling me that she's never seen you cry this much because you were
1: just frustrated.
0: When you got home and she was visiting.
1: Well, it's frustrating because you can't do anything. Yeah, and you're a doer all the time. You do so much. Well, nobody likes to sit still. I mean, not many people like (laughs) to sit still. I shouldn't... You don't. I should (laughs) pre-qualify that. Yeah, I don't like to sit still. So that's probably what was hard for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Plus, I don't like people seeing me like that. Not because of how I look, but I don't like being treated like I'm not able to do things.
0: Yeah. And I can see that in your personality just in general. You're just very much so like that. Like I said, a doer. I had to cut you off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you want to hear the rest of that conversation. So come back on Thursday. Make sure you're subscribed because I'm bringing to you the rest of this conversation on Thursday. In that half of the episode, we talk about parenting. We talk about what her routine looked like. I mean, my mama does Pilates at 6am every morning. Still, she's very active. She always has been. So how she worked that in, as a mom of young kids. uh, We talk about body image because that wasn't talked a lot about in the early nineties, but she did help for me develop a very healthy view of my own body. And I think that's hugely played into my postpartum journey. So we talk about so much of what she did as a mom in my early years and how that helped shape my mindset and who I am now. So cannot wait for Thursday, make sure that you are subscribed. So you don't miss it. All you mamas listening, I hope your Mother's Day was phenomenal. I hope you just feel the continued celebration of who you are and what you do the rest of this week, and you will hear back from my mom on Thursday. Before you go, thank you for spending this time with me on the Tough Love Mom podcast. If this episode encouraged you in any way, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a review letting me know how this show has impacted you. Then send this episode to another mom friend or